Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you have provided us with the Lamb, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the only one who is worthy to receive all honor and praise and glory. And we thank you this morning that because of him and what he did for us on that cross so many years ago and through his resurrection on that Sunday morning, when he conquered death and rose again to live forever, promising to everyone who believes the gift of eternal life. Father, we praise you. And as we praise you this morning, we lift up to you people in our lives who can't be with us this morning or can't be in their church where they would like to be worshiping because of health or or other issues going on in their lives. We, pr- we lift them up to you right now and pray that you would encourage them, that you would remind them as you've reminded us this morning of your love and of your provision for them in Christ. Then, Father, each of us in our, in our lives have other people that don't know you yet. They don't understand what a great day this is. Oh, they've seen the, the symbols of it. They've seen the trappings. They may have even experienced some of those. But, Father, they don't, they don't understand what it, what it means to be forgiven. They don't understand what it means to have the hope, the promise, the guarantee of eternal life. We pause right now. We lift them up to you by name. We ask that you would be at work in their lives. That you'd help them understand what they've been hearing about. What they've been seeing. And help them know that they can receive that for themselves by putting their trust in Jesus, your son. And Father, we thank you for those who prayed for us before we received you. And we pray your blessing on them if they're still alive and pray that you would continue to use them to encourage others as they encouraged us. And Father, we pray that we would do the same. We pray these things now in Jesus' name because he is alive. Amen. If you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 11 this morning, we're going to look at a couple of of, uh, Easter passages this morning. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have the passages on the screen as well. We're so glad that you can be here, so thankful for this opportunity to worship um, the Lord together, the risen Lord. And of course, we recognize his resurrection every single Sunday morning. Uh, This is a special one, but every Sunday is resurrection day because that's why we meet, because he rose again on the first day of the week. But this is a special one, a special opportunity, and it's a, a reminder really, of the impact um, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has had all around the world, and especially in, in a country like ours, like the United States. You know, think about all the things that, whether people believe or not, all the things that, that 
America does because of Easter, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, for example, the the five-day work week, you know, which is an adaptation from the six-day work week, um, a, a, a pleasant modification to that. But the reason it never was a seven-day work week, or at least not popularly in the United States, was because the first day of the week was set aside for rest. And that was because that was Resurrection Day. So many people in our country believed that, that they, that they did that. Um, think of the, uh, the, the dye company that used to make the, the, the dye for the, the, the hard-boiled eggs. Do you remember that? Any of you, any of you remember those, those days when part of the Easter celebration was the getting the kids together with the cups full of the dye? And do you remember the little metal uh, egg holders? You know, then you drip them in there and then you try to get the egg out of there, you know, without spilling the dye all over the place. You know, those of you that are old enough, a lot of you younger people have no idea what I'm talking about. That, now that was Easter, okay? But again, that, that was part, that was part of our culture, you know? Um, so many things. The, think about the, the maker of purple fabric. Um, no matter if, if purple is in this year or not, it's always in for Easter, all right? As, as some of us, um, Michael Hearn back there and myself wearing our, our bright purples today. Um, it's always in. Think about the maker. This is the current eggs, now, not the hard-boileds. Think about the, the, the maker of the plastic eggs. It's a pretty good industry. Even, you know, think of the churches. I think we had 5,000 of them here last you know, a week ago Saturday. You know, think about that. What about the, the chick and bunny business? Um, Nadine, how many new how many new chicks do you have? Sixteen, yeah. How many bunnies have you given to Midway families over the years? Everybody knows about Easter, but none of those things that we that we use to celebrate Easter. Not, Jesus never said a thing about any of those. He never said, "Now I want I want you all, you know every." year before Easter Sunday, or week before Easter Sunday, I want you all to have a big egg hunt. He never said that. We do it. He never said that. He, in fact, never said, I want you to have a big celebration, a special celebration on the, the Sunday to, of, of Easter to commemorate my resurrection. He never said that. So what I thought we would do this morning is look at a few things that he did say that we should do because of Easter. And the first one I want to look at is John chapter 11, verse 25. This is on the occasion of his, of his good friend Lazarus' death. His, his good friend passed away. Lazarus, who had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus went to see Lazarus before he died, but he died before he got there. And when he arrived there, he had this conversation with Mary and Martha, with Martha in particular. And uh, he said this in verse 25 to this very, very sad sister of this man who passed away. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me 
will never die. And he finished that with a question for her. Do you believe this? I can ask you that this morning. There's a, there's a, a very good probability that you would say yes to the, to the question, do you believe this? Because you're here this morning. Now, I know you could have been, you know, roped or shackled and brought, you know, against your will, but I didn't see that happening. If you did that, you, you did it very nicely and graciously. But m- many of us believe this, what, what Jesus just said. Here he's, he's t- talking to this grieving sister. Just lost her brother, and he's and he's reminding her because of his resurrection. Jesus said, "I am the resurrection. I'm I'm the one who's going to rise from the dead." And Jesus talked a lot through his ministry about the fact that he was going to do that. But here he says, "Because of me, because I am the resurrection and the life, your brother, who believed in me, he's going to live. He's going to live forever." And so, Jesus is making a statement here about his resurrection. If you believe in him, you're going to live. He wants us to believe. He's glorified when we believe in what his word tells us about what he has done for us. Now, he hadn't died and and, and been raised from the dead yet when he made, when he made this statement. It's coming down the stretch for him in, in his earthly ministry when he says this. But he very clearly lets us know, no matter what you do with Easter eggs, no matter what you do with bunnies and chicks, no matter how you celebrate as family or friends or whatever, there's, there's something he wants you to do with his resurrection. With the fact that he is the resurrection and the life. He wants us to believe. That word is what the Apostle John, the writer of this gospel, used in the first first chapter of his of this gospel. When he was describing the reception that Jesus got when he came into you know, into the world when he was born in Bethlehem and, and lived and, and did his earthly ministry, doing the healing, the teaching, the preaching, all the things he did. And then, of course, his death on the cross. John said he came into his own, his own people, and his own people did not receive him. Then he says this in verse 12 of chapter 1. He said, but to those who received him, and then he qualifies what that means, to receive Jesus. He says, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You have to believe on his name. You have to believe that he's the one who came into this world, lived a perfect life, was raised up onto a cross and nailed there, not because of sins that he had committed, but because of the justice of God who says that the wages of sin is death. That's that's a law of God. Sin must be punished. And Jesus, who never sinned, took upon our punishment so that we wouldn't have to. And then he rose again from the dead. And as, as Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? I ask you, do you believe this? John says, if you do, you're a child of God. 
And so that is the, that is the proper, that is the God honoring response to the question that Jesus raises about his resurrection. Do you believe it? Do you believe that I'm the one? Do you believe that I'm enough? See, some people think he's, he's a, a possible way of many. But Jesus said, I am the way, the only way. Just before his crucifixion, when he was talking to his disciples, he said, I am the way and, and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, you believe in Jesus. He says he will forgive you of all of your sins and give you the promise, the guarantee, the hope of eternal life. That's the only way that we can have that assurance. If we, if we think there's something else that needs to be added to that, then we are going to be very disappointed. Because whatever it is that we would have to add to that would not be enough. None of us are good enough. As we were singing the song, is anyone worthy? Yeah, there's one who's worthy. There's one who's able. There's one who can save. And that's Jesus and Jesus alone. And so as you think about Easter this year and your celebration of it, make sure that you believe, that you believe in Jesus Christ. There's another statement that he makes in Matthew, um, back in Matthew chapter 12, if you turn there with me. And, and like I said, if you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, we will have these verses on the screen. But Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 38, he makes another statement about his resurrection. Something else that he wants us to do with this fact. We can ask ourselves if this is something that we've done with the truth of the resurrection. Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 38. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, these were the, the religious leaders of Israel. They said to him, teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Now, remember, um, and those of you that are, are regulars here at Midway know that right now we're going through the gospel of Mark and we've seen it through Jesus earthly ministry. He did a lot of miracles. That was one of his trademarks in his ministry, in his earthly ministry. He did a lot of miracles. But he did them when he wanted to and how he wanted to and for whom he wanted to. And these guys were coming who didn't believe in him, and they asked him to show them a sign. And so here's his answer. A wicked and adulterous generation. That's an ugly statement. That's Jesus talking. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Everybody knows Jonah, right? Everybody remembers the story of Jonah? For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. 
The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. So here Jesus is is letting people know, he's letting these leaders know, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised again. He's announcing his his resurrection. And he's asking them to do something. He's asking them to do what the people of Nineveh did when Jonah, after he was kind of raised from the dead, you know, being, being in the belly of a fish for three days, that would be very, very much like death. Okay? A lot like death. He was vomited out. There's no nice way to say that. He was thrown up, regurgitated, whatever. He, he was thrown up out of that fish. And who knows what he looked like. Probably wasn't good. Acid's not good for you. It's probably bleached. Probably quite a sight for the Ninevites once he got there. And all he did was go through that town, that huge, evil, wicked city, and say, in 40 days, God is going to judge you and is going to burn this place down. And you know what they did? They repented. They agreed with God that what they were doing, the way that they were living was wrong, and they repented. They turned away from that way of thinking, that way of living. They turned away from it, and they turned to God. And Jesus said, because they repented, they're going to be able to stand up at judgment when you're being judged, Israelites of the 20, of the first century. They're going to be able to stand up at that judgment as you're being judged because you had me, the real resurrection and the life, the one who, who literally came back from the dead, not just vomited out of a fish after three days, but came out of the grave. You have me. And you won't repent. So you know what Jesus wants us to do? When we believe in his resurrection, when we believe that he is the one who died on the cross and rose again from the dead, he wants us to repent. He wants us to repent the first time there when we, when we put our trust in him, to turn away from whatever it is that we're doing that goes against the way he wants us to live. We have a lot of those things written down for us in the Bible. We also have many, many of those things written in our own hearts that God gave us when he gave us life. Because there are certain things all around the world, wherever people are being born, where they have an understanding of what's right and what's wrong. And all of us choose the wrong. We're slaves to that. That's why it's said that when Jesus died on the cross, he died to free us from our slavery to sin. When he gives us his Holy Spirit, when we put our trust in him, he enables us to say no to those sins that we used to not be able to say no to. But he wants us to repent. The first time to, to, when we receive him, he wants us to repent, but he wants us also to live a life of repentance. People who recognize that when God wants us to do something, we need to do it. 
And when we're not doing what he wants us to do, that we would be quick to repent of that, to turn away from that and to say, yes, I'm going to do it your way. What you're doing here this morning is a great thing. You've, you've done something that God in his word tells us to do, to gather together as believers in Jesus Christ and encourage each other during these very difficult and hard days. His word tells us that very clearly. This is a great thing for us to do. And so what we need to ask ourselves, if we are people who believe in the resurrection in Easter, that Jesus is the one, we need to ask ourselves, is this what we do? We need to do this. If it isn't what we do, we need to repent of that. Turn away from that idea that we don't need to do this. Say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow your plan. I'm going to do this. And on and on and on it goes. Like I said, the word of God is full of the things that he wants us to do. And to live the kind of life that he wants us to live is to receive him as the resurrected Savior who cares about every aspect of our lives and wants us to always conform ourselves to his will in every aspect, not just Sunday mornings, but all the time. The way that we relate to each other in family, as husbands and wives and parents and children. He has, he has a plan for that. He, sh- he shares with us in his word how he wants us to live. And husbands, that cross is all you need to remember what your job is in your family. And that doesn't mean go out and buy a, a gold cross to adorn yourself with. If you do, fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But the cross is a reminder of what being a husband is all about. Do you remember what, what Jesus says about being a husband? He said it through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, Husbands, love your wives like Jesus loves the church and gave himself up for her. There you go. Now you, you look at that, you listen to that, and you ask yourself, hmm, am I doing that? Yeah, I think so. Or you could ask your wife if you're doing that. And then get the real answer. Hmm. May have some work to do. If you're a resurrection person, person who believes in the resurrection of Jesus, husbands, you have some work to do. That means you repent. That means you turn away from the way you've been doing it and say, Jesus, I want to do it your way. I want to give my life for my wife and family. Like Jesus gave his life for me. And you're off the hook, wives. I'm not going to do yours right now. But it's in there. Ephesians 5. And kids, yours is in there too. Ephesians 6. See, that's what this is. This is a book to lead us in the right way. And when we're not going the right way, if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then 
We don't want to be like the Pharisees and the teachers of law who, who had it all figured out on their own and didn't need to do it Jesus' way. We need to be like the Ninevites who heard Jonah and said, you know what, you're right, Jonah, we're changing. We're, we're giving up the way we've been doing things, and we're going to do it your way. We're doing it God's way. The same author of the Gospel of John wrote a couple of short letters toward the end of the New Testament, and in 1 John, he said this concerning our continual repentance. He said, if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to have that one memorized, not just to say, but to do. Because whenever we recognize ourselves as being out of conformity to the will of God, if we're doing something other than what Jesus wants us to do as he's revealed in his word, as he's written it on our hearts, then we need to remember the promise that God has made through John, 1 John 1, 9, that we can confess that sin right there and he'll forgive us. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he'll give us the power, the strength, the encouragement that we need to start doing it his way. It's a lifetime process. We're saved when we believe but we glorify him, honor him in our lives, in our daily lives, as we repent of those things that we aren't doing his way and we agree to do it his way. He throws in a little bonus in this particular part. After he talks about the sign of Jonah, he also talks about uh, the sign of Solomon, the the wise one. And he highlighted the fact that the the queen of the south came came a long way to, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And he's telling these unrepentant leaders they'd be wise to seek Jesus' counsel. And we would be wise to do the same. He's given us this counsel. He's given us his word. We'd be wise to go to the effort that the queen of the south went to to get to Jerusalem to talk to Solomon, we'd be wise to do that with these books that God has given us. And, and I know that not only books, but phones, pads, tablets, everything else, wherever, wherever you can find the word of God, which is, which is many places, very, very convenient, but it still doesn't turn itself on. It still doesn't automatically start. Well, maybe some of your devices do probably, you know, wake you up for, for the time and, and start doing an audio Bible. There's all kinds of things, but the point is, listen, listen to him. Do you believe in the resurrection? Listen to what he says. Go to the trouble of opening his book regularly, daily, sometimes more than daily, and see what he says about your life and agree to do it. And again, that involves that repentance that he was talking about. Well, the final passage I want to look at of a statement that he made also relates to the the sign of Jonah. Um, Look in Matthew 16, just a couple of pages over. Matthew 16, verse 1. The Pharisees and Sadducees, that's another group of leaders, the Sadducees, came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. They're still at it. It's a different group of them probably. Still trying to do the same thing. He replied, 
when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. There it is again, the sign of Jonah. A picture, an Old Testament picture of the resurrection of Jesus. And he wants them, those leaders of the law, those leaders of the Jews, those teachers and rabbis, pastors, if you will, of Israel. He wants them to wake up. When they see him rise again, he wants them to wake up. When they believe that he is the one who will rise again, because this is written, uh, this is told them before that he rose, he wants them to do this. He wants them to wake up. He wants them to recognize the urgency of the hour. He wants them to wise up. And I think he wants us to do the same thing. Every single one of us is going to face God. Every single one of us. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be judged for the things that we've done since we've come to Jesus. Whether good or bad, and he's going to reward us accordingly. Those who don't believe are going to be held accountable for everything that they've ever done. And if they've sinned one or more times, and that's everybody, by the way, then they're going to face eternal judgment, separated from him in punishment. And that's an awful thought. Jesus knows these things. He's a, he's a part of the, of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who put these things together. And because of the holiness, because of the righteousness, because of the greatness of God, sin must pay its wage. It must be judged. That's why Jesus came, to take upon himself all of God's judgment for those sins. And he's telling these teachers of law, these Pharisees and Sadducees, he's telling them, wise up, men and families. Wise up. Understand the sign of the times. When I am raised again, you better believe that what I've said is true. And that what I've said is going to come to pass is going to come to pass. Just as you see me raised from the dead, you'll also find out all the other things that I've said are true. You better believe it, and you better get things right. Wise up. And so, if you're not a believer in Christ, understand the urgency of the hour. Understand the urgency of the situation. You're going to face judgment, And you can be completely and utterly forgiven of every sin that you've ever committed by putting your trust in Jesus Christ. That's what his resurrection is all about. Because when he died on the cross for our sins, he also rose again victorious over death to promise life for everybody who believes. 
Take care of that. Receive him. Those who are already believers in Christ and don't have to fear that judgment of condemnation, we face the judgment seat of Christ. That's an urgent situation as well. We don't want to waste this opportunity that we have. We don't know how long it lasts. Some of us get to live a long, long time. Others don't live as long. We don't know what those dates are. We want to take advantage of the life that God gives us. No matter how much time he gives us, we want to take advantage of every opportunity so that when we see him at the judgment seat of Christ, when Jesus judges us for the things that we've done while living in Christ in this life, he will be glorified through us if there is much reward to be given for, the, for living life for his glory. Another way of saying this, because of the resurrection of Jesus, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life on stuff that's not going to matter, on stuff that's not going to be mentioned at the judgment seat of Christ. Spend your life on the things that do matter, the things that will be mentioned at the judgment seat of Christ. The things that matter to him. It goes right back to repentance. It goes right back to belief. You see, we're blessed to know these things because of God's word. We're blessed to, to have this, these stories of Jesus before he died, before he rose again, telling us what to do with the resurrection once we see it, once we realize that it actually happened. That's us. We all have the, we all have the word of God to look at. He's been doing something great in his church ever since he rose again. He's going to continue it until he returns. We don't know when that is. A lot of us think Easter 2022 would be an awesome day for him to return. The thing is, he's not taking votes. He tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, why he still waits on his return. There's just one reason. He's not coming back until he knows the last person who's going to receive him receives him. So apparently somebody else is going to receive him. Maybe they're here this morning. But there may be a lot more people to still receive him. We don't know. But he says he's patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. There's that word again. And so we have the opportunity to live this life with that in mind. That our lives would count for eternity. That, that we would be involved in some way in our lives in helping people understand through, through watching us, through watching us husbands, Love our wives like Christ loved the church? Wouldn't that be an exciting witness to be able to share with people? That they, that they would see that kind of love and say, wow, tell me about that. And other things that we do according to God's word that are so different from the way everything is done around us that they'll ask us, what's up with that? And we have the opportunity to say, what's up with that? It's because of what Jesus did for me. 
He made me conscious that this world isn't all there is. That there's an eternity to look forward to and to live for. And the only way that we can do that is through Jesus Christ. And on and on the opportunities that we'll have as we live our lives for his glory. Jesus says, if you believe that he's the resurrection man, then wise up. Understand the urgency of these things. Don't waste your life. And certainly, if you haven't put your trust in Christ, don't don't think that you can go and stand before him on your own. You need Jesus. You need to be forgiven. You need his righteousness, which he says he will give to everybody who puts their trust in him. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we love Easter. We love all the things associated with it. So many of us who grew up in Christian homes remember all the traditions. Many of us are remembering our grandparents and parents who've already gone to be with you. We're so thankful for them. We're so thankful that they believed and they're with you now. We pray for our friends and loved ones who still don't believe and ask that you'd work in their lives, that you'd draw them to yourself. You'd help them to understand when we tell them about you that they'd recognize the urgency and put their trust in Jesus soon, maybe even today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the body of Christ, for the joy of this celebration that we've been enjoying today, and for the encouragement that we receive from each other. Father, I'm so thankful for the brothers and sisters that share your word with me and encourage me in it on a regular basis. And I pray that we would continue to do that more and more as we recognize how hard it is to live for you in this world. So help us to use these opportunities that we have to be together on these Sunday mornings and other times that you allow us to gather. We thank you so much. And Father, we thank you that it's all possible for us because Jesus rose, because he is alive, and because he promises to send your Holy Spirit to live in every single one of us who believe so that we can live our lives for your glory in accordance with to your will, according to what you've written for us in your word. And so we praise you and thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, the risen Savior, our living Lord. Amen.